Welcome to Creative Junk. Uh, my name is Robert Coker and today I'm joined by digital designer and chapter leader of Ladies Wine and Design, Fee Shiel. Uh, thanks for being on the show today, Fee. Thanks for having me. So, um, I don't know where you want to start, but if you want to give people maybe an overview of what you do for some of the folk that don't know. Sure. Um, so, my day job, I am a digital designer for a pensions and insurance company that will remain nameless for the moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I work as a digital designer full time. Um, but then on the side, I also run Ladies Wine Design Edinburgh. Um, and I also do a bit of freelance work here and there. Um, yeah, I guess that's the you do quite a lot. A the lot short of version to <laughs> describe what I do. So I suppose what's going to be like a recurring theme of this podcast is trying to go back in time and, and figure out why certain people took the routes that they took. So were you, were you born in Pennycook? Well, born in Edinburgh, raised in Pennycook. In Pennycook, okay. I don't cool. know if that makes it better. Probably not. <laughs> it, it usually goes the other way, doesn't it? It's like yeah. you're born in Pennycook or born outside and, and end up in Edinburgh. Yeah, but well, um, technically born in Edinburgh, but grew up in Pennycook. Yeah. Um, went to school in Pennycook, all of that. Shebang. And um, is that... How was that? Were you quite a creative person growing up? Were you surrounded by creative people or what led you to? Um, I guess I was creative. I was quite musical. Um, I played the cello. The cello? Yeah. Yeah. I realise people listening to this will not realise that I'm very short, but I am very <laughs> small and the cello is very large. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a bit of a, a interesting one, I guess. But yeah, I was quite musical. Um, I did art and stuff in school. I guess I was more arty than I was designy, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. um, I used to draw. I can't draw for shit now, so I don't know where that went. Um, but yeah, I guess I was pretty creative, but I don't think I ever planned on having a creative career. So what did you plan on doing when you were in <laughs> going to school? So you were, you That's know, a good question. half musician, half arty person. Yeah, I think I had always kind of planned to be surrounded by creative people um, I thought for a while that I would be kind of more on the business side of it um, like kind of music business was where I thought I was going to go um, when I was in high school I helped start and run a record label um, so I'm pretty good at bossing people about um, so I thought there's definitely a career in this somewhere <laughs> um, and I was pretty convinced that I didn't want to stay till the kind of sixth year of high school and I was going to leave and go to college and do all this stuff and um, I had a music teacher in high school that was like there is no chance you are leaving like you're too good to leave and go to college you need to stay do your advanced hires and go to uni and do something great and yeah, that's what I ended up doing. So, so is that one person that kind of held you back almost, but to like propel you forward in a way? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I think he kind of saw what I was refusing to see, if that made yeah. sense. So he kind of realised that like I could do well at uni. I never thought I would go to uni at all. I just was convinced it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, I think because I thought to go to uni you have to be academic and mm. you have to be really studious which I'm not um, so yeah but he convinced me to stay and then I ended up applying for unis and getting into Napier 
Yeah, so you went to Napier and you studied design at Napier, was it? Yeah. So what changed when you were saying that, you know, you wanted to be around creative people but more in the management aspect? What made you go to a traditional graphic design course? Well, originally, um, when I started at Napier, I was doing a course called Creative Industries, okay. which was kind of sold as you can pick any element of the creative oh, industries for the creative this. school. Yeah, it was like creative computing. It was like yeah. a, a mixture of everything. Yeah, so I was kind of going along the lines of doing a bit of journalism and a bit of design. Um, I think because I thought journalism would be a better career and I don't think I ever assumed you could make money out of being a designer. Um, so, yeah, I started the creative... Uh, studies course, creative, I can't remember what it was called, creative something. Yeah. Um, and I started that and realised really quickly that I didn't want to be a journalist. I didn't like the atmosphere of it. It was quite cutthroat. Um, but I really enjoyed the graphic design courses, uh, tutorials, sorry, that I was doing. Um, so I pushed and pushed and pushed and eventually got onto the graphic design course. Um, through a, a number of things it was full when I started so there was no space for me to get on but also there was a kind of bit of back and forth with uh, teachers and trying to kind of convince them that I should be there um, and yeah eventually I did. You so whittled them down eventually? Basically yeah. <laughs> Talked them through and well, they let me on. And um, as someone who's never, I've never done design college or design uni, um, do you find it beneficial for what you wanted to do? Um, I definitely don't think you need a degree for the job that I'm doing. I think the most important things that I learned from uni weren't, you know, how to use the software or mm -hmm. how to, well, I definitely never learned how to budget a job or anything like that. I think the most important things I learned were how to meet people and speak with other creatives and yeah. collaborate with other designers um, and quite honestly struggle through. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't think to be a designer you desperately need a degree in it. Mm -hmm. um, I think having a passion for it is probably where it gets you further. Do you think it's a good platform though to go and find like yourself? You know, like you kind of learn a lot about yourself when you're in uni too that you might to do when totally, in the yeah. workforce. I think to, f I guess, find yourself outside of, you know, your high school upbringing and the move between high school and uni was way bigger than I think I'd prepared for or even realised at the time. Like, looking back now, it's massive and it's all new people that you're meeting and people from different backgrounds and with different opinions and, yeah, I think that's probably the better thing about doing a degree. Good. So when you're about to graduate over like well I definitely had this kind of fear when I was graduating like, oh, what am I going to do you know because uni can be seen as a, a safety net almost it's like well I'm in uni it's okay I don't need to really worry too much because I've still got a year or two left and that's plain sailing but then you get to fourth year or fifth year or whatever it may be and you're like oh shit is it it's like an end to this now did you have a clear plan of what you wanted to do? Absolutely not like no idea at all. I knew that I'd wanted really badly to get onto the graphic design course, but I had no idea what that actually meant after I left. Yeah. Um, when I left uni, 
I was working at Frankie and Benny's as a waitress and I basically did graduation and two days later went back to my job at Frankie and Benny's yeah. and I think you were kind of sold this idea that graphic design is going to change the world and everyone's going to step out of the doors after graduation and just be handed a job or yeah. handed a placement and I think Although we all kind of joked about, oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Everyone was thinking, but it might happen to me. And it definitely didn't. I remember, like, taking a break at Frankie and Penny's and thinking, this is going to be my job for the rest of my life. This is this is going to be me now. And, yeah, it's, it's a tough reality to yeah. realise that it's not as easy as you think it's going to be. Yeah. Do you think that's a problem at unis that don't kind of prepare people for, you know, this shit is about to hit the fan in a real way and we need to prepare you for how, not how bad it can be, but like almost a reality check of, no, you you really need to like put in a lot more groundwork when you leave to get a job. Mm -hmm. I feel that's that's not something that happens. It definitely didn't happen with me. It was portfolio reviews, but but they were portfolio reviews by people that didn't have any industry experience. Yeah. I was like, this is pointless. Yeah, yeah, and I think as well, like nobody ever told me about how to speak at an interview and speak about my work in a way that sells me to people. Yeah. Um, you got, you know, like you said, the portfolio reviews and you would kind of say, oh, oh, I did this and I did this, but you would talk about the process and, and oh, I collaged this for four days. Yeah. And it's like, like, no employer gives a shit about that. Yeah. They want to know, can you manage your time? Do you know what a budget is? Yeah. Can you work to a budget? And I think that's probably missing a little bit is the, like you said, the reality check of like what it's like to work real yeah. life as a designer. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I really ever learned that until I was maybe in my second job. So you didn't really learn how to be a you know, air quote, designer, designer until until your second job. So let's actually let's run through your first job first. So where did you go right after uni? So after let me say Frankie and Benny's was it after that, how did you land the first job, the first gig? Um so I was working in what I guess I would call in my C V is freelance, but it was really Frankie and Benny's and doing kind of freebies for friends and picking up any remotely related to design job I could possibly do. Yeah. And I'd seen an ad on Gumtree for... Gumtree? Yeah, this is... Wow. Yeah. Right, what is this? <laughs> so I'd seen an ad on Gumtree with someone looking for uh, some motion graphics help. Right. Um, so in my kind of last year of uni, I'd focused more on motion graphics than I had on traditional graphic design. Um, and I was kind of convinced that that was what I was going to do. I was going to be a motion graphic designer and life was going to be great. And um, yeah, so I went to meet this guy who was looking for this help and he was like oh, I've got this project I need some help with um can you can you help out I was like yep sure and it was for uh something to do with like a, a building was being built or they were knocking walls down and it was basically like a floor plan that you had to animate all right because they got look like location 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 fucking things totally to up, you know totally yeah. so I did this and I was like yep yep all great here you go and then he was like, cool, so we might be looking for a motion graphic designer. Do you want to come in? I was like, all right, okay, this guy seems like good bands. I'll go along and see what the chat is. So long story short, after a few weeks of 
oh, maybe you'll need to be self-employed to work for us and maybe you won't. Um, they gave me a job as motion graphics designer. Um, it's with a company called Sistec International, who were a construction consultancy. So they were basically a, a, a collection of lawyers who deal with construction claims. Boring. Super boring. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, lots of like planes and trains and cranes for two and a half years. Um, but I will say, although the work was pretty dry, the content of it, we did actually do some pretty cool shit. Yeah. Um, we built apps and we did some work with augmented reality. Really? Um, we did quite a lot of cool stuff and I met a lot of really cool people. Um, the guy who hired me, Chris, was like a revelation. He honestly, I thought he was like the be all and end all of motion graphics. Like he knew all of these things I'd never seen before. I learned more from him in a week at Cystic than I did in like two years at uni. It was insane. And he was always just so enthusiastic about, yeah, fuck it, we can do that. Yeah, let's try that out. Let's do this, let's do that. He was brilliant. And I think that was the first time that I realized like, oh, that's what it looks like when you're passionate about something. Yeah. Like that's what it looks like when you're geared up and ready to go. Yeah. And yeah, it was really good. It was a really good learning experience. Um, but it kind of got to the point that I was like, okay, I'm getting a bit bored of kind of planes plateaued. and trains and yeah. And it was just it kind of felt like the right time to move. Um, and I'd also kind of come to the decision that I wanted to focus a bit more on design as opposed to motion graphics, um, mainly to kind of secure a job. Um, there's not a lot, lot of motion graphics roles in Scotland. Definitely not in-house. You definitely need to, that's a freelancer's game, I think. Totally. Um, and, you know, I was what, early 20s, totally not prepared to go freelance. Um, I just moved into my first flat by myself. I was like living my best life. Um, and then, yeah, I was like, I need to do something that's more designy. I never wanted to lose the motion graphics side, but I wanted to get more involved with the design. Um, so yeah, I moved to Wyoming Interactive after that. And that's when I met you. I remember meeting you when we were first chatting about putting on collaborative events and that's where you were. So, so this is the job that you were talking about earlier that really opened your eyes to the way shit should be done yeah. at an agency. Yeah. Um, and it's an interesting one because I don't think they ever really thought of themselves as an agency. Um, they, they were never really a creative agency. Um, so I think, again, going back to uni, I was convinced that the only jobs for designers were in big agencies, um, you know, like big ad agencies. And I'd never even thought that, you know, a construction consultancy would need an in-house design team or like where I am now in pensions, that they would need an in-house design team. Um, but yeah, I moved to Wyoming and I was a digital designer there for, again, two and a bit years. Um, and yeah, it was interesting. It was, you know, working with a broad range of clients, um, a broad range of projects. I could be doing things like a marketing site for a client or an email campaign, but then also doing product design for a different client. So it was it was pretty broad. Um, it was a definitely a learning experience. Um, a lot of kind of learning how to work with other designers as well. Um, 
yeah, it was it was interesting. Do you think that's one of the things that people kind of get hung up on at, um, at uni as being is being good at one thing, but then when you when you go into an agency or you go into whatever it may be, you're expected to do a lot of different things, and that can scare some people. Like being, um, I suppose what I'm trying to say is like, do you think being adaptable is better than then just being really decent at one thing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still struggle with this because, you know, when I'm showing my portfolio to people now, I've got a mix of like digital product design, motion graphics, marketing stuff. So then there's a mix of UX in there as yeah. well as UI, as well as motion graphics. You know, there, it's quite broad. And I always struggle with, should I be more specific yeah. with what I do? But at the same time, I'm not very specialised, I am quite a generalist and I think now being a generalist is probably going to pay off more for designers. Um, I think when I graduated, what, five-ish years ago, um, being specialist at something like being really good at typography or really good at print or, you know, really good at layouts or whatever it was, that got you somewhere whereas now I think because everything is there's so much online and there's so many people who aren't from a traditional design background or they haven't done the degrees or whatever can come into the industry and can kick ass in the yeah. industry like you need to you know adapt to survive and mm -hmm. um, so yeah I do think being a generalist isn't a bad thing. No and I think it's just being able to learn new skills quickly as well because Definitely. you know especially in the digital world, because I don't occupy that space too often, but every time I dip my toes into the digital world, it's something new. Yeah, it's crazy. And even with things like the motion graphics stuff that I do, I'm always trying to keep up with that and you know pick up little side projects here and there yeah. just to like hone in my skills, because I think, especially with things like that, if you take a step back and you're not constantly remembering how to do it, Oh yeah. Things will just get away from You'll you. You'll just forget it. Yeah. And there's a new style that someone else is doing that you have no idea how to work out how they're doing that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Speaking of um of side projects, and I think side projects projects are a good way to um you know sharpen your skills or stay on top of trends and stuff. But um, I don't know which side project came first. Was it either the ladies wine and design or um the I am enough campaign? Which one was it? Was a. It's a really good question. I honestly don't know <laughs> well then I feel like ladies one design is a bigger topic like overall mm -hmm. not to say that the other one, each one is worse I'm just saying this one would be easier to talk about first would be the I am enough how did how did that come about how did that collaboration even start because that was that was a fucking big thing there was a lot of people involved in that that was that was huge yeah where did that come from um so I guess for people that haven't seen it, um, the I Am Enough project is a motion graphics project that is a collaborative piece with motion graphic designers from, I'd like to say all over the world, but pretty much Europe and America. Um, and it's set to a spoken word piece by an artist called Natalie Patterson. Um, so I had originally heard her poem on YouTube, um, it was a channel called Soul Pancake had put it up. They were doing a series about women in work or women in business or something like that. And she'd done this piece called 10 Things Every Woman Should Know. And I was like, this is amazing. This is the best thing I've heard. This is so uplifting. This is great. Everybody needs to hear this. 
and I was like this would be the perfect thing to do a motion graphics project for and originally I was like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do it my own time it's gonna be great it's gonna be fantastic and I'd emailed Nat Natalie and I'd said look I'm a motion graphic designer from Edinburgh I've seen your video I've heard this poem it's amazing I want to do some work for it like are you okay if I do that and she was like yeah like bash on I'm always wanting to do stuff with other artists like if you need any help if you need me to send over audio files let me know I was like great cool great that's brilliant yeah two years I did absolutely nothing like nothing at all and I totally forgot about it I forgot I'd even spoken to her I was like just went to the back of my mind I was doing other stuff I think that's when Lindy's design picked up and um, so yeah I hadn't done anything and then going back to remembering how to do skills I was working at Wyoming at the time and I wasn't doing a lot of motion graphics work and I decided like I need to get back into it I need to you know push myself to do something and do a project and I'd been to a lot of conferences where all of the speakers who'd done all this amazing work for like Adidas or Google or Nike or the, like the people at the top of their game but the speeches that they were doing were about their side projects and I was like these people are so cool they are working for massive companies but the thing that they're most proud of is you know like the stick man that they animated two weeks ago so I was like I'm gonna do a side project and then I remembered that I'd kind of got in touch with Natalie and I was like this is too big for me to do by myself and at the same time I'd kind of started Ladies Wine Design and I was really aware of the lack of female motion graphic designers um, I don't think at that point I'd even met a female motion graphic designer myself um, so I put out a bit of a kind of call to arms to say I'm going to do this project if you want to do it here's a bit of the poem off you go and animate it and send me it back um, and I put it out on a motion graphics network that is kind of specifically for women and said I'm doing this who wants to get involved and that's a kind of global network um, and said get in touch and luckily one of the guys that I worked with at Wyoming very kindly put some Google Analytics on my website so I could see if people were downloading oh, wow. the, yeah. the pack and stuff and I started to see people, you know, like in Southern America and Northern America and then like Poland and Germany and France and all these people were downloading it. And I was like, people will download it and they won't bother. And then I started to get things sent in and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Wow. And the work was brilliant as well. And then it turned out there was another kind of collective of female motion graphic designers who um, I think it's like monthly they take on a project so they'll decide to animate a typeface or they'll find a poem that they want to animate to and they found my project so they just made it their monthly job that they decided to all take a bit each and animate it. So I think they have their own version of the full thing um, that's all in their kind of style. But yeah, so they got involved and yeah, it was wow. pretty cool. That's awesome. So it's just like, I don't even know how to describe that. Like, I mean, you just, something that wasn't there before is now there just because you kind of put out a call to action and people responded to it. Yeah. And obviously the message is super fucking strong as well. But wow, the internet is, can be pretty cool sometimes. It can. And, you know, even since then, 
so I quite often get offers for freelance jobs that I can't do and you know I'm always trying to help other women you mm-hmm. know get a step up and uh, carry on but since then if I get motion graphics projects that I can't do there's a girl uh, down south I'm like can can you do this like you can take this awesome. if you want and it's fab like I've never met any of these women in my life but but now know. there's this kind of like invisible connection between not invisible but like you know you're not in the same country but you're totally. still very much connected totally that's awesome that's really cool Thanks. that's really cool so another side project is ladies one design um we don't know which came first but <laughs> what made you take on such a big responsibility because ladies one design is fucking mammoth yeah like it's all over the world <laughs> so I mean I guess I didn't realize what it could be or what it was when I first took it on um so in March of 2016 Jessica Walsh of Sagmeister and Walsh Beyonce of design hiya <laughs> um, she kind of put out a call saying I'm doing this thing that I'm calling ladies wine and a bit of design um, I'm doing it here in New York if you want to do something similar give us a shout so um, I along with a girl that I was working with at the time we were just like oh, we'll send off a wee email we'll see what happens mm. and I was convinced one of the bigger agencies would be on it because they'd been kind of tweeting about the blog that Jessica had been writing and I was like someone will be doing it yeah someone will be doing it but sack it I'll put my hat in the ring and then yeah I just got an email like two days later that was like hey great this sounds fantastic can't wait to see what Edinburgh does and I was like <laughs> oh shit yeah and they were just like yep here's your website off you go was it actually Jessica herself that mailed you or was it no it was some... someone from Sagmeister Walsh who they uh, sign off all their emails with all good things oh right I okay. was like this is all good things yeah. all good things they didn't like you know include a weird naked picture of somebody no no no, no naked pictures so <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so they were just kind of like run it how you want do what you want just you know do good things so I mean, Ladies Wine Design originally started with myself and about seven other girls sitting in the pub, having a drink and quite honestly having a bit of a moan about our jobs. And it was good, like it was cathartic and everybody was, you know, like, you know, when you just need to get shit off your chest and, oh, this is wrong and this sucks and this isn't going right and this could be better. And it was fine for like a few months. But then it got to the point that like it just made the creative scene look really shit because you know there was someone from this agency saying that their job sucked and someone from that agency saying their job sucked and their jobs probably didn't suck they were just having a bad day wanting to have a glass of wine and have a moan about it which all of us will want to do at some point in our careers um but yeah it got to the point that less people started turning up and then i think it was in the August or the September I turned up to Ladies Wine Design and only one other person was there and I felt awful for her Emily if you hear this I am so sorry um she was like new to Edinburgh and she'd been told from a friend who'd been to the events before like go along you'll meet loads of women it'll be great really good for you coming into the city and it was just me just me and her sat and talked about Barack Obama and Beyonce for two hours 
which was great, but it wasn't what Ladies Wine Design was supposed to be. Was that a real kind of wake up call to push it forward? Definitely. I mean, it was kind of like, I got this thing and this could be really good, Mm -hmm. but in order for it to be really good, I need to give a shit and I need to put the effort in. So it was a total kind of crossroads, like, do I just give it up? Like, do I give it to an agency who have money and resources that they can put their time into it? Or do I say, like, no, I'm actually going to do something with this? And well, yeah. yeah, two years later. We're still here, yeah. Well, I mean, but when you kind of decide to put effort into things like this, inevitably there's um, a commitment financially as well. So I know when you started out you were paying for everything in your own pocket and then you were trying your best to get people to sponsor you or to fundraise or whatever it was how did you find getting people on board to help out financially it's a struggle it still is um so we're just coming to the end of our kind of first year i guess of some form of funding um Luckily, I met the lovely guys from Studio Something um, at another event that I was speaking at and I'd originally got in touch with them because I'd made up a pack that I was going to send out to agencies to say, please help Ladies Wine Design, we're really poor and we need your help. And I'd sent it to Ian and said, can you have a look over this? Like, you run a business, is this something that you think is legit? And he was like, yep, we'll, we'll help you. And I was like, no, this this isn't why I'm emailing. Like, I just need to yeah. sense check it. But, you know, if you want to, sure. No qualms about it. They were like, we know you're doing a good thing. Here's the money that you've, wow. you're have you asking for, which I think is rare. And Yeah, they're definitely a, um, a different class of people. Yeah. And I think if there's more people like that in our industry, we'll all do better and we'll all be better. Um. So yeah, that was, it was it was great. It was a real kind of boost. Um, and then we also got Lewis Creative Consultants. They got involved as well. Um, so they have also sponsored us for the past year. And, you know, the sponsorship money that both those guys gave us, it's not like, it's not a lot. And I'm not asking for a lot. I don't need a lot to run the events. Mm-hmm. Um, it's enough to cover our venue hire. Yeah. Um, so when I first decided that I'm going to make Ladies Wine Design legit, I got in touch with Jenny Hazel at Hill Street Design House. Um, and I said, I want to run a workshop in your front room. Can, can I do that? And she was like, yeah, sure, totally. You can do it for free if you want. This sounds great. Wow. This sounds amazing. Like come along and do all your events here if you want. Amazing. Which was, you know, without Jenny Hill Street and Hill Street Design House, Ladies Wine Design wouldn't have existed at all. And, you know, at the same time though, Jenny's running a business and you can only do things for free for so long. And I never wanted to do things for free all the time. You know, I, I wanted to help pay for you know the space and time that we're using um so yeah the sponsorship covers things like that um i had hoped that i could cover things like speaker travel um we've not got to that stage yet but i'm hoping that next year i'll be able to try and get a bit more funding do some bigger events where i can kind of generate a bit of ticket money yeah um so that i can keep my normal ladies wine design events completely free 
Um, the only things that we charge for are workshops to cover things like material costs. Mm -hmm. um, but on the whole, I try and keep them as free and as accessible as possible. Yeah. So that if you're a skint student or yeah. a freelancer who hasn't had work for a while, or even you know a, a mum coming back into the industry, or maybe you got made redundant, you know anyone can come and yeah. they can get involved and meet other women in the industry and you know see that we're all kind of going through this at the same time. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think power to you. I think we try to do the same thing with Creative Points, personal plug, but you leave yourself open to being born that way as well because of attendances or whatnot as well. So it's a kind of really difficult balance to find. It's like, oh well. Should we have it completely free and then risk nobody turning up, or should we make it expen not expensive, but like maybe a tenner or something like that? But then you're excluding those people that you've mentioned, so it's a really hard balance to find. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I think I've got to a good place now with the regular Ladies Wednesday events that people know how they run. They know that you know if you don't come. It's a, it's a very small group that we have. It's like 15 people yeah. per event. So if you don't come, you're taking up a space that somebody else can use. Yeah, yeah. And the nice thing about the community that we've built is people are dead honest. Like, look, I said I was going to come, but I can't. So give my space to someone yeah, else. Yeah. And it, it's nice. Sometimes it doesn't always work. Sometimes we have an event with five people, six people, but at times they can be really good events yeah, because everybody yeah. gets involved and everybody starts asking questions and our events are never a kind of stand up and speak with a speaker is starting a conversation and people asking questions and sometimes it'll completely derail from where we started the conversation but right. that's totally okay um, so was it an active decision you made to keep that number of attendees like instead of say trying to get 50 or 60 people into a room or 100 people into a room would you almost rather be 15 because it's like a really tight-knit bunch of people was that done intentionally yeah um so i mean physically the space that we have at hill street we could have up to i think 25 people per event if we kind of set up the room differently mm -hmm. but i like it being small um it's i hate the phrase a safe space but it is essentially you know a safe space for yeah. people's opinions and questions and concerns to come out and it is actually a really nice little community that we've got yeah. um so yeah i like it being small and we do do the bigger events like uh, the one that we did yeah. last year yeah. which is great but it's not everybody's cup of tea awesome i think that's great i think it's just good to add another texture on top of like because like I was talking to some guys a while ago and they were saying, you know, 10 years ago, like this, Edinburgh had nothing to offer as far as conferences or, or design talks or anything like that. And now, like, over the last five years, there seems to be one on every couple of months. Mm -hmm. And a good one, where there's fantastic talk, whether it be like Ladies When Design, Creative Edinburgh, Creative Points, or a Glug that's on, mm -hmm. or a, like sometimes the fucking, um, what's that one called again? Long Lunch. Sometimes yep. those, those dudes pop up, so... It's fantastic. It's great that there's people that are being proactive about it and actually trying to make a difference to the creative community, which totally. is which is kick ass. Let me just see. Oh yeah. So because you've been doing such a kick ass job with Ladies One Design and your own personal stuff and generally just kicking ass, <laughs> you were asked to uh, to go talk at um, Birmingham Design Festival, which 
fills me with dread even thinking about <laughs> speaking to that you look I mean I was looking at the bill and I was like oh my fucking god Aaron Draplin's at this damn thing mm-hmm. like this is a fucking big thing <laughs> like how did that happen um, so I guess back in November last year um, the guys from Jam Hot asked me to speak at Glug yeah so Graham had been at our collaboration event and we kind of chatted afterwards about how difficult it can be to find female speakers. Um, I mean, you're aware of the kind oh, of yeah, yeah. trying to find speakers for that event was oh, pretty it was, difficult. It was nightmarish. It really was. But then in the end, we ended up with more female speakers than males. So it worked Yeah, but well. it wasn't for the want to try. And like, I mean, we really tried to do that and it took so long to find people. Totally. Like, it was so difficult. So... Uh, myself and Graham had kind of chatted about it and I was like oh well if you need female speakers like let me know I've, I've got a whole raft of them that have been speaking at Ladies Wine Design I'll see if they're up for it mm-hmm. and he was like yeah yeah sure sure and then he messaged me like I think it was a Twitter DM um, a few months later and was like um, so do you want to come and speak at Glug and I was like mm. well when I said I know female speakers I didn't mean me I meant other people and he was like nah nah you'd be great come along and speak about it come along and speak. And I was like, okay, well, what do you want me to speak about? Like ladies wine design or what? And he was like, oh, you know, just whatever, or your work or whatever you want to speak about. And I was like, well, my work's not interesting, but ladies wine design is, so sure, whatever, fuck it, I'll come along. And he hadn't, I think he told me that the Studio Something Boys were going to be there. But he hadn't said the guys from Us Two were going to be there. (laughs) And then, it kind of came along that it was going to be myself, the two guys from Studio Something, and the two guys from Us Too. So not only was I going to go and speak at an event that, you know, I was going to talk about ladies' fine design and women in design and, you know, the gender balance in our industry, but I was going to do it with four other men on the bill. Mm. So I was already kind of shitting myself with that. Um, and then they moved venue to sell more tickets. So it went from being, you know, 50 people to about 150 people. Wow. So s- safe to say I shit myself. There was a lot of wine consumed that night, um, but it was great. I actually remember this. Now it's coming back to me because I forgot. I should have asked you about this, but I forgot this even happened because I remember you mailing me going, hey, can you look at my slides yeah. and make sure things are okay? And I was like, this looks great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure I was like, am I talking about women too much? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was great, and I kind of got a bit of a bug for it. I mean, I was terrified, mm-hmm. I was shitting myself, and the whole time I was talking about, you know, say yes to shitting yourself, and fuck it, like, do whatever you can, just say yes, and everything will work itself out. Yeah. And I was like, I am preaching this, but I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, like, I, I really enjoyed that, so I should try and do this more. So I, I, I'd been asked to speak at Napier to the computing students about, you know, my career and stuff. And Eric was speaking at that as well. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know, I should see if there's anywhere that I can talk a bit more about this. And I'd seen the Birmingham Design Festival thing come up and they were looking for speakers. So I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll fill in a little application. I'll see what happens. And it's kind of the same way that Ladies Wine Design came about. I was like, Sent off the application and thought, fuck it, that'll do. Like, I'll probably never hear from them, but it's fine. And then I got an email back from Dan that was like, 
holy shit, this is exactly what we've just been talking about. Like we've been really struggling to like make our conference balanced. Like if there's any other speakers that you know that would be interested, please send them my way. But also, yeah, you're invited to come along. And I was like, oh crap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was brilliant. Uh, they ran, you know, as you were saying, about the struggle between running things for free and charging. Mm-hmm. Their entire festival was free. It was free? The whole thing. Wow. So they they had a few events at night that, you know, had, it was like £15 or something mm-hmm. for the bigger speakers, like Draplin. Yeah. Um, but everything during the day was totally free. Wow. And there was hundreds of speakers. Like, it was insane. And some of the people that I saw as well, I was like, I can't believe, like, people are just walking in and getting to see all these amazing wow. designers talking about their work. Um, but yeah, it was great. Uh, I talked, you know, about the same kind of thing that I talked about at Glug, um, about ladies' wine design and representation in, in the industry. Um, and I was kind of shit myself a little bit mm-hmm. that because I never wrote the blurb of my talk to say I am going to talk about women in design yeah I said I'm going to talk about saying yes and dealing with all the bullshit after and winging it and you know all of this kind of buzzwordy type shit to try and sell people in and it wasn't until I was kind of going down there I was like oh shit what if everybody turns up thinking that they're going to get some motivational speech and then I'm going to school them about how many more women in yeah. senior creative spaces? Yeah. Um, but it was it was really good, and I had a few people come up to me ask after kind of asking, you know, what can I do in my agency to help the gender balance? I was wow. like, oh my god, I yeah. am not the person wow. to ask this. Um, but no, it was great. That's and incredible. The guys that run uh, Birmingham Design Festival are, you know, I think the same type of folk like us. You know, putting everything in and yeah. just hoping for the best. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> running in the dark, blindfolded. Exactly. Hoping things work out. Exactly. But, I mean, it, it did, from what I could see. Wow, well, it looked amazing. I remember seeing the presence for it, like, you know, the whole kind of the VI they had and, like, not to sound silly, but it looked the shit. Like, you know, you're like, you're yeah. like wow, this it thing looks... It looked legit, like, right? I, I was in Dublin at the time and I was like, fuck it anyway. I mm. would have loved to go to that, like, yeah. because I've been to Birmingham once and Birmingham's like... Excellent city. Mm-hmm. I love Birmingham, but I never got to go. But I was, I remember some of the speakers they had, yeah. including yourself, but I couldn't believe that. I know. The quality insane. of speaker they got. I was like, fucking hell. Crazy good. Like, when I was there, so I was only able to go down for the day that I was speaking and the day after. Um, back up for my sister's 30th. Thanks for that, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I managed to see Anthony Burrell, uh, Craig Oldham. Marina Willer and Astrid Stavro. Oh. So like yeah. pretty top yeah. class designers. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was crazy insane the amount of people that they had there. Um it's definitely something that I think I want to get involved with next year yeah. again. They're running it again in June next year, so yeah. Anyone that wants to get involved. I think I might put myself forward and see how, see how much I can course. Go for it. You know, see how much I can course on stage. But would you say your mantra now is just to fucking fuck it, like just put yourself out there and see what happens? Totally. I think it probably has been my mantra for quite a while. I've just not really realised. Um, even from, you know, going from Sistec to Wyoming, mm-hmm. 
I was like, this is probably going to be an absolute shit show, but fuck it. Like, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. If I hate it, there's always Frankie and Benny. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I think being that way, especially in the creative industries, it frees you up to make mistakes, Yeah. but to also not give a shit if you do. Um, and I think the fear of failure is probably what holds a lot of us back in this industry in particular. Yeah. From stupid things like sharing your work online mm -hmm. or sharing your work early with colleagues, you know, you don't want to look like a failure. Yeah. And I, I mean, I still now could completely fail with ladies' wine design. It could all go up in flames. But if I'm not doing it, then who else will? It's kind of the way that I run it now. That you know, I'll I'll push and I'll push and I'll beg people for money if I need to because I truly believe in what I'm doing. So. If it fails, it well, fails, but fuck it. Well, I, think, I think Edinburgh needs more people like you, I think. <laughs> so, we're running to the end of our time. Um, what are the plans for the future for yourself and for Ladies Wine Design? So, I guess Ladies Wine Design, I don't really know. Um, in all honesty, I don't want to be running it for the next 10 years because... If I am, then we've kind of failed. The whole point in Ladies Wine Design is to help improve the balance of women in our industry and to help women kind of stay in the higher up positions. Mm -hmm. And if we're still doing it in five, 10 years time, then we've we've not succeeded. Um, so yeah, ideally I won't be running Ladies Wine Design way into the future, but hopefully it'll evolve into something else. Mm. Um, for myself, Christ, I have no idea. Awesome. <laughs> and this is a good soundbite to end on. <laughs> Fuck it, let's just see what happens. <laughs> exactly. So before we wrap up, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the big bad interweb? Sure. Um, so on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Fishiel and at LWD Edinburgh. Um, we also have our website, which is ladieswinedesign.com forward slash Edinburgh. And I'm just Fishiel.com. Excellent, Fee. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks very much.